Y'all, this is some good stuff. Communication is important in everything we do, but like we learned today, the most important tool that we have to improve the quality of our marriage is communication. It's something we probably all need a little work on, so make sure you're doing a little more than just listening to this message. Hear it and apply it in your relationship. Good morning. Hey, first of all, a couple of thank yous. Thank you for moving in, getting everybody in the building. Uh, we appreciate you being flexible, and we really are grateful to God for what He's doing here. Uh, if you're online, thanks for joining us today. Everybody grab a Bible or something to read God's Word from. And I'm just going to ask you to open to the book of Proverbs. 90% of the Scripture we're used today will be in the book of Proverbs. They're listed in your worship folder if you're online. It's listed under our notes section there. Uh, we're in the third week of a series called Behind Closed Doors. And we've been talking about the parts of our marriage that we really don't want anyone to know about. Those things that we'd rather keep hidden from the world. Uh, and last week, Matthew kept using a phrase over and over in his message. He kept saying, hey, Hey, try to be more than roommates. Don't just settle to be roommates. Let's not be roommates. I had a guy come up to after the service and he said, hey, I absolutely know for sure my wife and I are not roommates. I'm thinking, hey, good, good, good deal. He said, you know why? I said, no. He said, because roommates split the bills and I'm paying for everything. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's paying for that comment. Uh, right? So we're talking about communication today. In my opinion, this is going to be the most important message in the series. I believe if you can learn to communicate well, you can solve any problem, go through any difficulty. It's work. It's work. And we're going to look at that. So would you pray with me? We're going to jump into God's Word. Father, thank you for the time that you've given us. And I pray that it be profitable. I pray, Father, that we would benefit. And not only benefit, that, Father, we'd make the choice to pursue you as we pursue each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so we're going to start by talking about some, some powerful truths for our message. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says, The power of life and death are in the tongue. And you've heard that before. I'm going to try to give you just a little bit of insight into how the Jewish mind viewed words so that we can understand that the most powerful tool you and I have to improve the quality of our marriage or of any relationship is communication. So the Jews viewed the words, words that we use extremely powerfully. So watch this. God created everything with ten utterances. Ten spoken words. The power of his word. Then he created man. And of all the creation, he looked at man and said, I'm going to give you the ability to speak, to communicate. You can even create with your communication. Hebrews tells us that he holds these things together by the power of his word. You get to John, the gospel of John, and God is, you know, trying to communicate to us the significance of Jesus coming to this world. And this is what he said. The word became flesh and dwelt among you, the logos. So Jews gave incredible power to the spoken word. And then the wisest man who ever lived sums it all up in a sentence. Life and death. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So let's talk about our relationships in light of that for just a second. There's nothing you can do that has the power to improve every area of your marriage or your life more than to learn to communicate intimately. Look at me. 
I'm going to say it again in a minute, but I want you to get it. You're going to lose the ability to do some things as you get older. Right? <laughs> you guys are on board. No other service was like that. Right? So, so physical intimacy, you're going to lose that ability. Most people will. You never lose the ability to communicate intimately. And that's because part of it is we've misunderstood intimacy. We've defined intimacy as only something that happens physically. That's why we're in an upside-down world. Right? Intimacy is not just physical. As a matter of fact, some of the most intimate things you can do have nothing to do with a physical relationship. Pray. Right? It's about communication. It is about learning to bear your soul of who you really are. Intimacy means that someone in this life knows things about you that nobody else knows. Things you're afraid for anyone else to know. Things you're ashamed for anyone else to know. And they lock it up in a vault and two of you share it for a lifetime. That's intimacy. That's intimacy. And then it improves everything. When we can learn to communicate on that level, even our relationship with God. So I, I believe any problem can be solved if you want it to be solved and are willing to communicate about it. There are two pillars of problem solving. Number one is want. I want it so bad I'll do anything. I am willing to do the work to solve my marital problem. So you come to me. I've done this for years. And you say, Pastor, I want to talk to you because we have a marital problem. I say, yeah, how, how serious are you? Oh, Pastor, I'm serious. I'm serious. I want this problem solved. I say, really serious? Would you do? I'll do anything, Pastor. I say, well, I want your car. <coughs> what? I said, I want your car. <laughs> Give me your car. We'll solve your marital problem. And I have some people look at me and go, giving you my car. Okay, now I know what you love. You love your car on your marriage. And I have people who throw their keys on my desk. And here's the truth. I don't need your car. I got a car. I just need to know how serious you are. I just need to know if you are going to do the work it's going to take to make this happen. Because it's work. Marriage is tough. And it is work to make a marriage Significant. Uh, I was recently reading, and you're going to hear this a bunch today. Got this definition. Uh, the difference between healthy and toxic is the inability to change. The choice not to change, right? So we, we used to say it this way. Nothing changes if nothing changes. That's a soft way of saying it. It sounds way different when you go. The difference between you having a healthy marriage or being a healthy person and a toxic marriage or a toxic person is making the choice to never change. To look at your life and say, I'm not ever going to change. You should have never gotten married. Because when you say that, what you are saying is the thing I love most in life is me. And marriage is a covenant under which you make this decision I will do whatever I need to do to make this relationship work. I'll figure it out. I made a covenant. I'm going in heads up. It's going to be work. And I'm going to do the work required to make this relationship successful. And to just ball up and say, well, I ain't going to do none of that. It's toxic. Toxic person. Toxic marriage. So let's look at... Um, at the topic of communication for just a second, because a lot of things in life you can't improve. I'm never going to be a great singer, right? Uh, you could bring the greatest music teacher in all the world to me and say, teach him to sing. And we're only going so far. Uh, I can't hear things and then make my voice do it. 
I have tried. It's not going to happen. So I have a very low ceiling when it comes to music. Uh, Some people have a low ceiling when it comes to math, right? That no matter what you do, no matter how good the teacher was, everybody else is getting it. You just struggle. Now, that doesn't mean you can't improve a little, but you're never going to be Albert Einstein, right? It's just not happening for you. Some people, it's athletics. Here's what I need you to hear about communication. I don't care how bad you are. Your ceiling can be high. Because communication is a learned skill that anyone can learn if they're willing to do the work. In marriage, there are always going to be some areas that are easier than others and some that require work. Typically, uh, there are going to be some things in marriage one person is going to, it's just going to be natural for them. The other person is going to, ah, physical intimacy and drive. One person is going to have this high drive. The other person is going to be like, why are you like that? Uh, right? I know it's church, but it'll be okay. One person is going to have this desire to talk. Just talk, 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 talk. And the other person's like, man, I don't have anything left. Right? And, and so when you find those spots in marriage, you realize what you have to work on. And what is marriage? Marriage is working on what I'm not good at so our relationship will be better. It's pretty simple. It's making that decision that we're going to put... The work in. We're going to talk about five principles of communication that are from the Bible. And if you will latch on to them, they'll change your life today. I mean, today they will change your life. So here's the first one. The principle of first response from Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. If there was one principle of communication I wish I had had when I was a young married husband and a young father, it's this one. The principle of first response. Here it is. The course of conflict is not determined by the person who initiates, but by the person who responds. A fight starts when two people engage, not one. Right? And and so what happens is somebody, man, they use some harsh words, and you have a moment, a split second that you decide how you're going to respond. And your response determines the course of that conversation. It's the same principle Jesus talked about in Matthew 5 39. Right? Jesus said, if somebody comes to you and slaps you on the right cheek, you slap them back. (laughs) Okay. Well, watch. I want you to see this. Now we officially have a fight. He slapped me. I slapped him back. We have a fight. What Jesus said, Jesus said, if he slaps you on your right cheek, Your response will determine what this looks like. Turn him to the other one. And now we don't have a fight. The same thing's true in our marriages and how we communicate. It's not unusual to hear someone say, Oh, pastor, you don't understand. They make me so angry. They make me so mad. They make me so frustrated. They made me yell at them, pastor. How did they do that, right? Did they torture you? I mean, was it an ugly scene? Did they they put a gun to your head and say, yell at me, yell at me, or I'll pull the trigger? No. They did something that punched a button in you. And you chose how you were going to respond. And your response determined the course of that conversation. That's what conflict looks like. So let's talk about the spiritual truth behind this. Get ready. Sin on the part of one party does not justify sin on the part of another party. Your mate's anger is never going to justify your anger. 
Pastor, they threw it at me. Well, what'd you do? I picked it up and threw it back. No. No. Right? Sin on the part of one party doesn't justify sin on the part of another party. Your mate's ugly words never justify your ugly words. Never. Your mate's selfishness, she never does anything for me. He never doesn't justify your selfishness. So I'll show you, I won't do anything. No, this is spiritual. Sin on the part of one party doesn't justify sin on the part of another party. Now we go back to our statement. What's the difference between healthy and toxic? Refusal to change. You get to choose. You can walk out of here and keep doing what you've always done and be as toxic as I'll get out. Or you can walk out of here and go, I'm not going to be like that anymore. And start to pursue health. Second principle, the principle of physical touch. We underestimate the power of physical touch. Jesus got it. So I want you to think about all the different ways he touched people. Leper comes to him and he touches him to heal him. Now here's the crazy thing. We already know that he spoke creation into existence. So he could have said something like this. I want you to have baby soft skin. Clean, pure as a baby. And it would have happened. By the power of his word. But he didn't choose to speak it. He chose to touch. Why? Because the leper needed to be touched. Hadn't been touched in a long time. Blind people, deaf people, even dead people, right? Dead bodies that nobody would touch in that culture. And Jesus touches them. Why? Because Jesus understood the need in the life of a human being. To be touched. There is something about our humanity that responds to touch. So how does this translate to our marriage? Here we go. It is difficult to sin against someone while you are tenderly touching them. Now I specifically included the word tender. Because I can see some of our people going, I told you, I told you. (laughs) Pastor, it works. I touched them and it worked, Pastor. No. No, 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 no. Tender touch makes a world of difference. It is very difficult if I'm holding my wife's hand for me to yell at her. Right? If we are embracing, it's hard to fight. Um, So when you have the important conversations, make sure you're touching. You're going to have to talk about some important stuff if you're married. Sex. Finances. Kids. Make sure before it starts, because if you wait until you're fighting, it's too late to start touching. Take my hand, baby, because we've got to have a conversation. It's going to be hard. Second thing is really good. Make sure you get this one. When physical separation occurs, the conversation is turned for the negative. It is turned for the negative. When you begin to practice this, you'll notice that when things get tense, get hard, begin to escalate, you're going to want to let go. You'll let go of hands, you'll break the embrace. So touch becomes a visible cue and physical clue that this conversation is no longer beneficial to you nor glorifying to God. Right? We're holding hands, you throw that hand down, that conversation needs to end. It is no longer beneficial to you and it does not glorify God. So you get to choose in that moment. Do I let go of her hand, his hand, and we keep fighting? Or do I hang on and we stop fighting? You get to choose, by the way, the difference between health and 
toxicity is not being willing to change. Because some of you, I mean, some of you are going to grow up, have grown up in some really volatile situations. I, we can't change that, but we can change what we are going forward. We can change what it looks like going forward. Third, the principle of proper timing. Proverbs 15, 23. Super, super simple principle, powerful principle. Uh, the success of a conversation can be maximized if the timing of the conversation is carefully chosen. This is what the scripture says. A man finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? So I want you to answer it real quick, real quick. When do you do most of your talking? Just shout it out. Okay, never... <laughs> What did you say? In the, in the car. Give me another one. At night. At night. Give me another one. At breakfast. Any more? So we got three. Let's just run with those three. Are your mornings pretty busy generally? Yeah. Pretty busy getting the kids out the door to school, trying to get to work, trying to beat traffic, all that stuff. If you're driving, you are typically going somewhere. Not that many people just go, let's just go drive around. Maybe you do. Nighttime, one of you is usually going to want to what? Let me go to sleep. So here's what happens in our marriages. Um, the time we have to talk is not usually the time we need to talk. And so good intimate conversation is usually a planned conversation. So we ask two questions. Number one, is this a good time for a conversation like this? Right before you begin to look, begin to communicate, you look at the setting, you look at circumstances, you look at the people, go, hey, is this a good time for this? So you're going home, you're going to bed, and one of you's been stewing all day. And uh, the other one is just about to fall into the best sleep ever. <laughs> and you say, we need to talk. Right? It's happened in every marriage. We need to talk. And it's just not a good time, right? Right before we doze off, let's have this heavy... Heavy, hard conversation. Not a good time because somebody's got to get up early. Just not a good time. Or you're sitting around the dinner table and the in-laws are driving you out of your brain. It's not a good time to talk about that in front of your kids' grandparents. With me? Or maybe you're like me. And I, my method, my, my, my view of life is this. Solve it now. Solve it completely and move on quickly and be done with it. That's it. Problem happens, solve it right this second. I have learned that doesn't always, I've learned this, that my immediate need to resolve it may not be your best time to resolve it. And I learned that from my wife first, who would look at me and go, you don't need to talk to your kids about that today. Most of the time you need to calm down. Then you can talk to your kids. Or your coworkers. And the other person is Victor Wood. Because Victor's extremely wise. And there's almost never a serious conversation that I don't ask him, is this the right time? And a whole bunch of times he'll say, not today. Trust those people around you who want the best you to be like Jesus. Second question, is there enough time for a conversation like this? Can we do this topic justice if we talk about it right now? And if we can't, we need to choose a time. Set that in stone and deal with the issue. I know there are going to be emergencies, uh, but they don't need to be the rule. They need to be the exception rather than rule. So uh, meaningful conversation is very strategic conversation. Number 
three or four, whichever, I think four. The principle of mirroring, mirroring. Proverbs twenty two seventeen. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your mind to my knowledge. James says, chapter 1, verse 19, let everyone be quick to hear and slow to speak. Part of the struggle of good communication is that I am formulating my response while you're still talking. Now this gets really frustrating in a marriage if one person is extremely verbal and the other one isn't. Right? One of them can just stand up and talk and go on. The other one needs, I need to process this. Right? I need, I need to think about what we're going to say. And so the verbal one thinks they're winning and all they're doing is delaying another fight. Because the nonverbal one will walk away, process everything, and three days later look at you and go, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Right? So, so, so we, ha- we have to work at making sure that our... Uh, our conversation and our, is clearly, clearly understood. Because good communication means I've understood what you said to me. How do we do that? Well, understanding can be enhanced if we measure it often throughout a conversation. All of us have a set of filters through which we understand what somebody else is saying to us. I'm going to show you real quick. Some people only hear positive things. No matter what you say to them, it's always positive. Right? You're fired. What happened at work today? I got a chance to get a new job. Right? It's always always positive. Some people are always negative. Uh, No matter what they say, what would you get? What happened today? I got a raise, but it should have been bigger, right? It's always negative. And then other people only hear what they want to hear, right? We all have these filters in our life. And our goal is to try to understand what our mate is saying to us and make sure that we've he- heard it and understood it. That's called mirroring. And we're, what does mirroring look like? Mirroring looks like, I hear what you are saying. I hear what you're saying. So we ask this question, what I hear you saying is, and you fill in the blank, right? So, so one mate looks at the other one and says, you could have said that more gently. Well, what I hear you saying is I'm just an angry person. No, that's not what I said. What I said was, you could have chosen a different way to have said that. Or what you're saying is, I'm always yelling. No, and we keep doing that. And the, and the key part of mirroring is this, is that you pause and you let the other person respond. Well, what I heard you say is, I'm always angry. Pause. That's not what I said. What I said is, you could have chosen a gentler way to say that. And we do that until both parties agree on what's being said. And you say, Pastor... Pastor, it's too much work. I don't have time to sit and listen and talk like that. Okay, let me make sure you understand what's happening now. When you tell me you don't have the time to listen to the person you're married to, you're telling me there's something else in life you love more than the person you're married to. I don't have time to listen to that dribble. Right? Hey. Right? I don't have... Can you put it in a sentence? Don't laugh too much, right? (laughs) When we don't have the time to work through and listen to what our mates are saying, what we're telling them is there's something in life that's more important than you. And usually it's something like my golf date or my job. Um, What's the difference between healthy and toxic? It's willingness to change. And I'm just going to straight up tell you, if you're sitting here and you're looking at it and going, I'll never do that, you probably didn't need to get married. Your mate deserves more than that from you. 
Last thing, principle of prayer, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. If we were believe, if we believe in, you know, this, this place has been packed today. If all these people come in here and they say, man, I believe that God created me. The Bible teaches that for relationships. Then the height of hypocrisy is to exclude him from those communications. If we really believe what we say about God, and we're having these really important conversations, the height of hypocrisy is to go, God, we don't need you in this. Right, that where we should find ourselves is we should find ourselves inviting God to be a part of every significant conversation we have in our lives. So I'm going to talk to men for a second, okay, because I believe this hinges on you. Stop running from prayer. Stop running from prayer. Do not raise your hand. Do not shake your head. Most women in this room would die for their husbands to pray with them. Most men in the room don't do it. And there are a multitude of reasons why men would give you that they don't pray with their wives or their children. A couple of them are really silly. I'm just uncomfortable. Well, you don't have the right to become uncomfortable anymore because you got married. And so you choose to do what's best for your family, right? I might sound funny using these words, right? You don't have that right anymore because you got married. You're following Jesus. You laid that down. You laid that down. And so what, what does it look like? I'm going to show you what it looks like to pray with your mate. You look at your mate. You, the man. You look at your mate and you say, is there anything I can pray for you about today? And make sure you got about 20 minutes. <laughs> right? Why do you need 20 minutes? Because your mate's been waiting their entire life for somebody to ask them that question. Who loves me enough? To ask me, what can I pray for you about? Because most of them's daddy didn't. Is that you? And you sit there and listen. I need you to understand. Once we're capable of something and we choose not to do it, it's choice and choice. Choice will destroy your marriage. Every woman in the room is going to go, he knows. He knows how to do it. Will he choose to do it? And after she's done, you reach over and you grab her hand because all significant communication happens with touch. And you bow your head and you don't say a word because you're not talking to her. You're talking to God. And when you're done, let go of her hand. You with me? Difference between healthy and toxic? Choosing to change. Choosing to change. The last thing. Let's pray first. Like a uh, ship sinking, we start bailing water, right? That's how prayer is. God, my ship's sinking. Get the water out of here. Wouldn't it be great if we started praying before we ever got on the ship? Right? So look, so look we're going to have a hard conversation. Look right here at me. We're done. But look right here at me. We're going to have a hard conversation. We've got to talk about our sex life. Because, babe, I'm not happy with this. And if I'm not happy, I'm going to make bad choices. We need to talk. Maybe we're going to have to talk about our finances because ends aren't meeting. We're going to have to talk about these crazy kids because I'm losing my mind. Whatever it is, we reach out, we grab hands, and before we say a word, we go to God. God, we need you in this conversation. These are heavy and hard things. We stumble at our words. God, we believe you created this relationship for us. God, we need you in this conversation. And two things will happen. You're going to change. But the biggest thing that's going to happen is your marriage is going to change. Would you bow your heads with me?
I believe that the most pain we inflict in our relationships is with our words. Especially in our marriages, in our homes, the things we say to our mates, the things we say to our kids can destroy them. Words can bring pain, but the other side of that is words can also bring joy. I love you. You're beautiful. You're my princess. You did good today. I'm proud of you. So, so understand that our words can either bring pain or joy. Which ones are yours bringing? What do you bring into your marriage? What do you bring into your home? And what this world needs is to see a couple who love each other so much that it's sickening. And love God. And this is what Jesus said. You'll be like a city set on a hill in a world of darkness. You'll be a light that people can see. Right? Choose health or choose toxicity. Right? The difference is what do you do when you walk out of here today? Victor's going to be with me here at the front this morning. I pray that you got the freedom, and I know it's a full building, but I pray that you got the freedom to step out if God speaks to you today. Man, let's pray for our homes. Let's pray for our marriages. Let's pray for each other. Father, thank you so much for our time together. I ask that uh, the word you speak to us would be clear and unmistakable, Father. I pray that you, you would find the people ready to respond to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.